You are listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, part of the Tokyo Beat Podcast Network. Everybody across the land, here's a special from SequelCast, though I don't know what it's gonna be about. Maybe Woody Allen, maybe Spike Lee. Hello, welcome to SequelCast 2 and Friends, a podcast looking at pop culture topics near in there. We are going to be uh, discussing a blog that's pretty extraordinary with a lot of pictures. It's called Halcyon Dreams, Cat and Dan's Experience on the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Uh, and Cat and Dan documented their experience with uh, photos, both from themselves and from professional uh, photographers on site. And uh, go into such great detail. I just thought it'd be fun to have them on the show. Uh, Kat and Dan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank thanks. you very much. Yes. Um, and with me, I have my co host, Thrasher. And I find my lack of disturbing. Very good. I'm hoping that was a filter, otherwise, it was internet gremlins. So. <laughs> so <laughs> So um, just looking at the scope of things here, uh, before we started recording, you mentioned like LARPers used to be the, the something you didn't, weren't really into, and then you really went uh, whole hog, so to speak, with this experience on the Galactic Star Cruiser. What sort of convinced you this was it? This was the one to go all in on? Well, you know, I mean, I used to have a phrase that was friends don't let friends LARP. Like to me, it was the most embarrassing geek activity I could think of because I have, you know... I was thinking of uh, D&D, fantasy role-playing, and, you know, going out into the woods and shouting lightning bolt was not my idea of fun. Uh, but it you would go to run fairs in costume, so it's not like <laughs> yes. you were completely alien to the concept. No, um, you know, but it was because uh, the run fair, like the Galactic Star Cruiser, was an environment that was built to do that kind of make-believe play, right? Like, I felt like I was in the right place for that kind of thing. And I've always felt stronger about Star Wars then I have fantasy uh, uh, content anyway. So for me, it just, it pushed all of my buttons as somebody who still likes to do cosplay and dress up as an adult. Uh, but also the experience that it promised was so complete uh, that it was, it felt like it was custom made for Kat and I, honestly. I honestly think it's the difference between like most LARPing, you're having to imagine the environment around you you're having to say okay well i'm going to imagine there's a castle there or there's a big army or whatever where in this case everything that you are interacting with is really there it's like physically there you're touching it it exists and i think that there's a big difference there yeah and then looking from the pictures reading the experience and, and thrasher feel free to to bump in um oh, absolutely. I, yeah, uh, I had only been to um, the Star Wars Gal Galaxy's Edge uh, once for my first time uh, last year, and I was a little bit disappointed. It felt a bit empty. It felt like there wasn't a lot to do, but here on the Galactic Star Cruiser, whether you're in the middle of doing the little missions they have you going on or if you're just hanging around, it feels like a lot more of an immersive, active environment. Yeah, I'd say that's that's true. I mean, when when we go to Galaxy's Edge, and we, we went to Galaxy's Edge within the first few months, the first 2019, year. 2019, September of 2019. Yeah. Um, that Our idea of fun there was simply going and hanging out in a chill space. A friend of mine called it the Kylo Ren Fair. Right, like it's it's this this uh this place that's built where you're supposed to just feel like you're on Star Wars for a day, which frankly is at odds with a lot of the rest of Disneyland, uh because you know it's go to the Snow White attraction, ride the Snow White ride, 
go on to the next attraction, whereas this was supposed to be much, much more open and flowing. And when we went, only one of the two rides was was open. Rise of the Resistance hadn't opened yet. It was just Smuggler's Run. And yet somehow I saw people disappointed that they only got to fly the Millennium Falcon. You know, I mean, to me, I was I was thrilled. But we had a lot of it was just we wanted to go and sit there and sort of soak up the environment because we're both big Imagineers fans. And that was that was a big part of it. Yeah, it, there's there are not a lot of structured activities in Galaxy's Edge. We went up playing a lot of Sabacc, the card game that like basically the Star Wars version of poker. And we played that with the cast members and we had a, a, a blast doing that. But. We were also the only people that day, I think, that dressed completely up in Star Wars clothing to go to the Star Wars realm. Everybody else that was around us sort of broke that immersion for us. Like there's there's a dude in a, you know, in an Oakland A's T-shirt, <laughs> you know, so the the idea being that when the Star Cruiser came out, that was, OK, we're going to go all the way. You're never going to even have to doubt that you're in Star Wars. And they encouraged you to dress up at a level much higher than they even allow you to do in the park. And I'm going to say that with Galaxy's Edge, they kind of put their toe in because they actually said, you know, like if you're in Galaxy's Edge, you'll find stuff that is themed for Black Spire Outpost or uh, for, uh, you know, like just, it, well, you, it's really for Black Spire Outpost or for First Order. You don't find things that say Star Wars and you don't find things that say Galaxy's Edge in Batu in in that that town that you, right. you enter in so i think they sort of stuck their toe in it and said well we're gonna we're not going to acknowledge you know like if you leave galaxy's edge to go to a different part of the park they say you're going off planet uh like the, the cast members will refer to it as going off planet but um it's not you know like the star cruiser just takes that a step further and i think that that was a, the vision that they wanted it to be and it is yeah it's completely like the, the cast members I mean, if you're in an emergency and you tell them something, I'm sure they might break a little bit, but they're not, they're, they're there and they're going to try to push whatever you say. Like if you say you're from earth, like a lot of people say they're from earth, I'm from Florida, uh, you know, like they, they'll say things and they're like, oh, I don't know where that, uh, I don't know that planet. Is it, you know, in this sector, you know, like they'll, they'll try to make you do something Star Wars and some people will do and some people won't. Um, the captain has also said on occasion, uh, you know, it's like, oh, we're getting a lot of people from this Terra planet. Uh, they must be doing a lot of marketing in that in that sector. <laughs> you know, so it's they try to keep you in, the, you know, like they're like, we are playing this game and we are in this universe. Please come and exist in this universe. So most people are if you're spending that much money, most people want to do that. So I'm glad you mentioned Sabak because I'm I'm always fascinated by the idea of like you know it's sort of the game within the game on the Star Cruiser. Uh, what what's that like, and how does I don't know if you've played the official like published version that came out around the time uh, the Han Solo movie came out, but like like how does how does it stack up the versus the the home game versus the sort of in universe game? Uh, I I assume you mean the Hasbro. Uh... The Hasbro Han Solo card game that they didn't actually call yes. Sabacc, but it looks like Sabacc. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I bought that uh, in a heartbeat. And you can play regular. You can play uh, a couple well, of different variants. There's, yeah, I was going to say there's two variants of Sabacc. Yes. Well, there's two. There's there's infinite variants. Oh sure. But there's two official ones. Uh, Corellian Spike, which is what they play at Galaxy's Edge, and that's what was really played in Solo. That was how Han won the Falcon from Lando and all that fun stuff. Uh, and then with the Halcyon, they came up with a, a second uh, version called Coruscant Shift. Now, between the two of them, uh, I actually prefer Coruscant Shift. It's a little less luck-based. There's a lot of dice rolls in Corellian Spike that make it very random. You can have a really good hand, and then if you roll doubles on uh, two identical dice, so you have you know a, a good chance that at any point you're going to get the same icon on both dice, you throw your hand away. And that feels really like it might be fun for little kids, but if you're looking at it like space poker, more like a Texas Hold'em, uh, then Coruscant Shift is a little bit better. It mixes draw poker with uh, a betting phase and things like that. So Shift feels like it's the more adult version of, of, uh, of Sabacc. What made it more interesting still on the Halcyon 
is that in the sublight lounge in the bar, and it's a very, it can't call it a cantina because it's a really upscale bar. Uh, there is a digital version of Sabak. This is the only official Disney computerized version of Sabak. Uh, and it seats four players and it plays a standard four player game. There's dice in the middle of it, like a Pop-O-Matic under a bubble, but the computer then knows what has been rolled and it shows you on a holographic display, like one of the curved bubble holographic displays like time traveler uh the old sega arcade oh, game oh yeah yeah if you remember that one so that's what it looks like to play plus there's a black and white lcd screen in front of you that you can also do it's not a touch screen so it has the big chunky star wars buttons on the side that you choose you know i'm gonna hold these cards and 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 discard these other cards so it's video poker applied to sabak in a dedicated arcade machine for lack of a better uh, uh, word for it. So I loved interacting with that. It's it's free to play. Anybody can just walk up to it. There and is a the box fiction, tournament. The fiction is that it is a a old like an ancient artifact on the because the, the the cruise is supposed uh, this cruise ship is supposed to be very old and has been around for hundreds of years, and that this is when the huts had control of it. They had made it a gambling barge, so these tables were all over, and now they just keep one left to uh, to symbolize that. So it's supposed yeah. to be an antique within Star Wars, which is always interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun to play on that, and it was very much fun to walk in knowing how to play Sabacc and play against a whole bunch of people who did not know how to play Sabacc. Uh, so that, you know, that was particularly enjoyable, but, you know, no money changed hands or anything. There was a tournament, uh, and there was a prize in the tournament. And I thought for sure, I'm going to win this tournament. I'm prepared. I did very well in the first three hands of the tournament. I blew it all in the fourth hand and I got knocked out of the tournament in the first round. But then I went back down to the sublight lounge, played on that, played with other people, enjoyed a drink, had a blast. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I really wish that there was... Uh, a, a digital official, like a mobile app or something that would let me play Sabak and Pazak for that matter. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun uh, to be able to play those games outside of this very structured uh, environment that is uh, also, you know, very hard to access. Right. Like with the success out of curiosity. Of, of, oh, go ahead. Well, out, of, out of curiosity, what was the prize? Oh, it, I believe it was a medallion cat. Was yeah, it little... it's one of the, it's one of the challenge. That's not yeah. really a challenge coin, but it's supposed to be a challenge coin. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, a it's just a, a like a three or four inch metal disc that has the Halcyon logo on one side and the uh, a picture like a a, a raised uh, portrait of the the ship in profile on the other side. They're they're kind of rare. Uh, like we went to the captain's table for dinner one night and they they were included in that. So Kat and I each do have one, which is really nice. But uh, they're not given to every passenger that even goes, so you you had to earn something. Uh, and yeah, there was multiple rounds to the tournament and everything. That's really nice. Um, you know, I was doing some research about some of the press when Galactic Star Cruiser first came out, and I think uh, you've mentioned this a bit on on Twitter, Dan. And it just seems like the way it was marketed, they didn't accurately explain what it was and even when there is press events with people from polygon and so forth they had it like a condensed maybe half day version that wasn't even the full experience so they couldn't communicate what it was to the public and the public of course sees the price tag and there's so many assumptions based off that but i, I loved your comparison of it to more like a cruise ship where it's like an all-inclusive experience with uh food and music and and the the games and this and that where it, it's not just you're you're paying money to walk into a room and see people in funny costumes. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, go ahead, Kat. Okay, I think that part of the problem is I don't know if Disney's marketing department really understood what it is. It is an incredibly hard experience to explain, and especially to explain in like marketing like things. It's like, yes, you're going to have a concert from a, a pop star. Yes, you're going to, you know, be fighting against or for, depending on your choices, the first order. Um, but, you know, like it, it's, Dan has described it sometimes as like, it's, it's an escape room. It's because it, uh, there are, you know, there are physical puzzles that you solve. There are, uh, inter, you know, it's it's a LARPing event because you're talking to people and you're having genuine interactions with these characters who are like really, fo you know, they're focused on you when you're there. 
Um, but it's all of these things in one and the food is freaking amazing. So it's like gourmet mm. food all the time. So it's all of this stuff pulled into one. So I could see if the, the people for, uh, who had the, you know, short experience probably ate some of the food, probably did some of the puzzles, probably, you know, like had some of those experiences, but, you know, like they didn't have it all together and they all together wrap around is really amazing. I mean, we, when we did it, we probably saw 30% of the storylines. There are so, like, I've watched a lot of videos online before and after, and there are so many storylines that were going on that we didn't see, and even parts of the storylines that we did see that we didn't take part of. Yeah, it was, I mean, I think the biggest disservice is that early on in the conversation, the phrase Star Wars Hotel got minted, and people yeah. know what a hotel is so they just applied oh so you like so it's it's a star wars hotel so it's like it's got you know like you walk in and the carpet has the crawl on it and then you go into your room and there's chewbacca pillow shams and you know that's not what it is it's not a themed it's not like walking into chuck e cheese or even it, another it's Disney not even resort. like art of imagination it's like when right. you go into like a little mermaid room or something like that it's yeah it's, totally it's different it's much more holistic where you you have to believe that you are there and they make it very easy for you to believe that you have stepped into a Star Wars environment and it's 110%. Now, yeah, to uh, I, I read some of those early uh, uh, preview articles as well and they're like, well, this looks like it would be fun, but I don't really know. Like I thought that was nice. The, the writer from Polygon uh, specifically said, this looks like it would be a lot of fun if I was on this trip with people that were really into it. But also, I saw four hours, not forty-eight. Uh, yes. And you know, it is a two, two, uh, three-day, two-night. You know, like you come in. Um, uh, it's two the Afternoon. It's it's two days, like chronologically. But you go lunch and dinner one day, then a whole nother day, and then breakfast, and then you're out. So you know. And there's no storylines on on the Thursday. on the last day. Yeah, it's just really good food. So yeah, it is very much like a cruise. It's it's clearly designed as a cruise, so that you pay. Not for the person, but for the cabin, and then your food is included with that, and all of your activities are included in that, and there are things you can do, but you don't have to do. It, it's absolutely the cruise paradigm, much more than a Star Wars hotel. So if you think about, like, a hotel should be, I don't know, $150 a night, and I'm just going to sleep there and then go off and do something else. This was more like a miniature amusement park that was built specifically for Star Wars fans, and they let you sleep in the park. And that did not come across. And I, it's for as somebody who has been a, a victim, frankly, of Disney's marketing uh, for years, you know, they do a really <laughs> good job of making me want their stuff. This was dropped on a level that I've never seen them drop the ball before. And I think Kat's right. I think that it's very possible that the people who were tasked with explaining this ambitious, immersive experience didn't really understand it themselves. The closest I got was a vague line of, you'll get to live your Star Wars adventure. And that does not explain, well, you read the crazy long article that I wrote, but it does really does not explain what the experience is on an emotional or a personal level. So speaking of the article, oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say, honestly, it's like a lot of it is like what you bring. If you bring yourself there to play, you're going to get more out of it than if you just show up and have no clue of what you're doing or what you're getting. Like Dan didn't know a lot of the stuff, but he knew who he was. And that's all really he needed to, to know. He yeah, I came with a character. Too much. <laughs> I, I overprepared, but I came with a character and I came ready to play along with yes and in that classic improv way. Anything that anybody told me, yes and. At one point I was told, hey, help go sort that luggage. That was literally something I was asked to do. I said, great, I'll, I'll go do it. You know, <laughs> it turned out to be a puzzle, which was fun. But, you know, like imagine being on any other cruise and being told by somebody, hey, I need you to you are the paying customer to go sort luggage. But, you know, it's a it's a different environment. Well, actually, so talking, speaking of sorting luggage, that was uh, some uh, some impressions of it that I had heard uh, on some podcasts with some other people who attended that they felt that at a certain point, even though it was all Star Wars themed, they felt like they were being asked to work and do their job while they were ostensibly on vacation. Did they yeah, keep the puzzles fun, or did you feel they were like labor was being weirdly well, offloaded to you? Well, okay, I'm gonna say this in a in a way. They, uh oh. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's <laughs> like it it was all entirely fun, but 
when you think about most Star Wars stories, the people who, you know, it's not the person who's just there on vacation who's getting the stuff. They almost always have to somehow become involved with the uh, the other characters. And, you know, like if they could have hired, you know, said, hey, come pay $6,000 to be a crew member, it would be weird, but it would have made more sense and made things a little easier to accommodate because if they were like oh we need you in engineering to do this it's weird that we're going to engineering as as uh as vacationers but it's great gameplay (laughs) when you get there so it's like the the yes you are asked to do work or do things that you wouldn't normally do but it isn't work it's all play yeah, I mean, is is Cal Kestis working by helping the resistance? You know, I mean, it's it's just one of those things. You knew going in that you would be involved in missions, and many of those those tasks. I mean, if you want to see them as tasks, I I, I understand, but I I certainly didn't see them that way. It was a character from the ship saying, "I I would do this myself, but." The First Order is watching me. I can't do it. I can't leave the ship. I need you to go and be the hero. So I didn't see it as go mop the floor. I saw it as go hack this TIE fighter for us and help the resistance. You know, I mean, that's a, to me, it's a it's a different level. Uh, I suppose if you wanted to go and you, you thought maybe this was a, a Star Wars hotel, I'll chill by the by the pool, you know, at Jakku Beach or whatever, then sure, that makes more sense. But I knew I was going to be deeply involved. I wound up being far more involved than I thought I was going to be. Our first day, we were awake for probably 13 or 14 hours, and most of that was spent interacting with some part of the ship or the experience or uh, you know, so we were go, go, go the whole time. But I, I honestly, I did not find it to be work. I found it to be fascinating that I was allowed to take part in this story on that level. I mean, you're asked to do like, hey, we're, you know, like they, they try to frame it like, hey, we're going to go. You're going to have be trained on the bridge equipment so that you would, you know, like it's as in, as just sort of like, you know, an entertainment type of thing, even though. It's like, no, we we need you to actually know how to use this. So later on, there's a story point and you're going to be using this and we need you to have some clue of how to do instead of being in a story, you know, like in the story and trying to teach you how to do it. So they, but it is weird because if you were, you know, there's no cruise where the ship would bring you up to the the thing and say, okay, well, let's, let's have you learn how to steer this ship and how to, you know, like, throw right. up buoys and rescue people who've fallen over it's just not going to happen so if that's like that's work yeah it is work that's a crew member job but it's fun yeah the way you do it we were we were allowed to man the guns we were allowed to man the shields and these are all video game style co-op experiences where you press buttons at the same time or you you navigate with a a dial controller and almost play like breakout to try to block incoming asteroids from attacking the ship these were games in the guise of but there's a control panel here so that if you if we had a full crew we would have you know this entire bridge of this ship filled with the regular crew but you guys are going to have to do it's your time to step up and be the hero so yeah i i'm sorry i just i wouldn't call that work <laughs> that was yeah. a heck of a lot of fun alex hi i'm ray how would you explain our show number walkers are you a nerd having trouble transitioning from your 20s to 30s to 40s and beyond age with us not at us <laughs> I'm already gray. Are you tired of the man keeping you down? If you see something, say something. Do you enjoy the family computer? Capsule computing. We got them all. No more whoppers. We outlived the queen. She said it couldn't be done. No, I'm fading. (laughs) Come back. I can't do this alone. Do you enjoy number munchers? And is numbers what you call Then listen to No More Whoppers. Only on the Tokyo Beat Network. Today's show is brought to you by Epos Gaming Audio. With a comprehensive lineup of both wired and wireless headsets, gaming amplifiers, microphones, and webcams, Epos has everything you need to experience the power of audio. Like their H6 Pro lineup, which features two versions, an open or closed headset. The closed headset allows you to tap into exceptionally detailed audio and seals out ambient noise while the open version delivers natural, high-fidelity audio with an incredible soundstage. 
Both headsets include a magnetic detachable microphone and a sleek design that has no wild RBG configurations. Just good design. Listeners can save 15% by visiting www.eposaudio.com gaming and entering code EPOSFRIENDS15 at checkout. Well, I, I love how unified and experienced it is because my wife and I did Star Trek Cruise Six um, earlier this year. I know I said Star Trek. We're talking about Star Wars, but oh, it's okay. Sounds... No, no, we're okay. we're we're bilingual. It's all okay. Good. <laughs> Very good. Um, and it is you know they do such a great job uh, theming the elevators to look like next generation with this with the yellows and the, yeah. the purples and the smooth curves. And the drink menus all have you know uh, name that the Irish pub was like triple themed and had bad jokes but then you go to a restaurant or you go to a buffet and it's just like fried chicken or fettuccine alfredo and there's no although they had an escape room weirdly it wasn't star trek themed uh, on the boat (laughs) although when um ivana and i uh, my wife were in in florida we did do a star trek discovery themed escape room in orlando and it was like you were on the bridge of a ship and it was cool. But the weird thing is like it had cameos from the cast, but it was voice only cameos. And it's like, damn oh. it, you're on the bridge. I want to see them in their damn uniforms on right. the view screen. You know, I can't believe that. I mean, did they did they at least say that the escape room was the holodeck? Because that's no, the built, no. That's the built in excuse. I right? know. Yeah, no, it, it could have been. I mean, it was sort of science fiction looking with this uh, steampunk um thing and, and stars no, lit. I want to walk it, into Dixon Hill. I know, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, 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 there's so much you could do with that. Con- and of course, you know, they had different themed dances every night and people dressed up and it was a lot of fun. We're doing it again uh, for uh, Cruise 7 in uh, ne- next uh, February. But it, it was like missing, like had it all been unified like the Star Wars um, Galactic Star Cruiser, I think that would have made it a bit more special because at a certain point you're like, oh, I'm on a cruise ship. Oh, there's the casino. It says Quark's Casino, but it's still the same old slot machines. It's like retrofit. (laughs) This was clearly purpose-built for a complete and a a, a fully immersive experience. And of course, that's that's part of the reason why it is so expensive, because it was purpose-built to never blink. So everything everything that you experience from the cast members that you walk up to to the characters that you meet to the food cat mentioned that it was it was really five-star cuisine uh i mean we're talking like the captain's dinner was five courses six courses cat i think it was Mm. six or seven i mean that's including Um, a champagne toast and you know right Mm. but even then it's like yes there is chicken yes there is tofu yes there is beef but none of it is called chicken and beef they they went so far as to theme out what planet is this from chicken is called tip yip there like so like you even had to like buy into it you, you would taste it you go oh it tastes like chicken you know which is almost the joke right there i mean they did have they <laughs> like they uh, when you go through the um the menu the buffet. Uh, the, the buffet they have the in star wars name and then they would have they would have kind of an explain explanation of what things were like red fruit was tomato like anytime you saw red fruit that was going to be tomato so they had like a uh a bubble, like for lunch for both days, I believe they had this uh, bubble waffle grilled cheese with um, red fruit uh, dipping sauce or whatever. It, it's it's grilled cheese and tomato soup. It's freaking amazing grilled cheese and tomato soup. And it looks very different, but it is still grilled cheese and tomato soup. Yeah. The chefs went out of their way to make comfort food look and feel weird, but still be accessible to kids that, you know, are picky eaters. Uh, but for the adults, it's like, oh, this is mac and cheese, but it's some of the best mac and cheese I've ever had. And it's super elevated and all the bread is purple. You know, just <laughs> see, it doesn't feel like normal food, yet it was comfort food elevated the whole time. So Disney parks, they're, you will often hear stories, they, they, they're careful because they have so many costume characters and like princess lookalikes. They are very guarded about how dressed up a lot of participants can be. And I was blown away by the costumes both of you wore that you had up on your blog. But I am curious, do do they make any attempt to help people distinguish between who is a guest and who is an no. actor working at the park in there? Well, there, all the... um anyone who is a actual like there's like face characters in them but everybody who's a cast member will uh have a 
a name tag or or a mic. Like, and they have a mic and uh, like a, an ear mic, you know, earpiece and mic, and that's simply so they can be told where to be, and that, and so that they can, you know, the person can hear them when they're talking. It's not them getting fed any information about who we are, um, so they actually do remember who everybody is. But um, they, you can go when you're on the ship. There is no limit to what you can do. Uh, there's no, and nobody tries to make you feel because you're you're interacting with the other people. Like usually, they're trying to protect people from interacting with somebody who's just randomly dressed like a princess who might feel somebody up. I don't know, but you know, like that kind of thing. They want to try to protect those people from getting involved with somebody who they can't control. Here, everybody is signing in for the experience, and you interact and play as hard with the other cast or the other passengers as you are playing with the cast members. So there's really no need to stop that. The only uh, things that the, the guidelines are when you go down to Batu. You can only have face paint on 50% of your face, which is interesting. Uh, when you're choosing what kind of character you can be, if you're, you know, want to wear it down to Batu, and then also you cannot wear helmets unless you're taking a picture. You can put a helmet on for a picture, but there's, you know, like uh, a lot of Mandalorians go or people, you know, like other people, and they can, they bring their their helmets and they can wear them on the ship and they can wear them in a picture on Batu, but that's it. That's really cool. Um, you were mentioning, uh, Kat, that, uh, or I guess both you and Dan had played Star Wars, The Old Republic, the uh, the MMO, and a lot of the, that game, or at least I played of it, you know, you might be on a planet exploring, or you might be on a big ship or a big, like, headquarter base, kind of hanging around, walking around. Did you ever feel sort of like a surreal experience having played those th that game, and then kind of walking into, in some ways, a real-life version of that? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's like a choose your own adventure book. You know, you it, mm -hmm. it is an RPG. This is a I mean, it, it is live action role playing. So you walk on, you know, there's going to be a narrative, you know, there's going to be a plot. You don't really know what your part is going to be within it. Uh, you know, the only thing that's missing is little icons over people's heads that tell you <laughs> I have a mission and it's time to turn in that mission. Uh, other than that, it's the that same. That would have dynamic. made it easier. <laughs> it would have made it a lot easier. Uh, one of the first things that uh, that happens when you arrive on the on the ship is that you start meeting these face characters. It's talking. Uh, Kat was talking about. There is a pop star uh, named Gaia. Uh, she's sort of like the Taylor Swift of of Star Wars, and she's a <laughs> Twi'lek. And she's going to be playing on the ship. She's going to be doing a private concert, which is rare. You will also meet her manager. Turns out her manager is the guy who's sort of in charge of the smuggler plot lines. So as you speak with him, he has to go up to every guest and he finds out what you're interested in. And he came up to us and he said, so, uh, you know, because we're, we're all dressed up like, you know, customized leather jackets and arabesque characters on those jackets and full Star Wars regalia. Uh, you know, we look like we belong there. And that was the goal, was to look like we belong there, but not look like Han Solo and not look like Princess Leia, but to look like I'm somebody else that lives, you know, three doors down from Chewbacca. <laughs> um, and so he, you know, the uh, Wraith, Wraith Cole, her manager, says, so uh, what kind of, you know, what, what brings you guys? What do you guys do when you're not on the on the cruiser? And Kat said, transport like really slow and he just sort of <laughs> nodded and that was our way to let him know in character that we were willing to play and we were interested in the smuggler plot line so he immediately mentally signed us up for all of his missions and so you know it's that level yes it was surreal but it is that direct an analogy to a traditional computer or tabletop rpg uh where you you walk right in and you go i'm gonna be this character but uh, you know, there's no whole. I, I don't know if you guys do this, but I've always heard you cross your fingers and you hold them over your head when you're speaking out of character when you play in certain. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, there's, yeah. there's no such thing as that here. Like uh, one of my funniest moments during this uh, this trip was, you know, my name in Star Wars for this. I was a, a, a swoop bike racer turned pilot called Trevor Viros, and Cat was Efa Cade. She's a, a daughter of Imperial agents uh, who's now helping the Resistance. And at one point. Uh, I needed to call her because Wraith had given me some information and he wanted to meet with us in a secret meeting that was not part of any of our trip manifest. Uh, and I, I was calling to her across the main atrium of the ship and I had to go, Aoife, Aoife. And she, <laughs> she finally turned. That was one of the only times that I broke character, but Kat was not used to hearing her 
her in-universe name because we just hadn't well, gotten I around also, to... Well, I also... Aoife doesn't carry as well as right. Kat does. Yeah, Kat is very guttural, right? It's almost Klingon. So, uh, so yeah, like, it, it was very surreal to walk in and be, I am walking around a video game that isn't a video game. But it's a I'm video a, game. I'm, I'm surrounded by a hundred other people that are here for the same experience. I should point out that there were a lot of people that came to watch, not play. There were a lot of people that just, I love Star Wars and I want to see what this is like. But they were very shy. Uh, they didn't. They hadn't thought about even what planet they were from. Uh, so, you know, they were asked Earth. Some people didn't dress up at all. There was one dude that went through the entire uh, thing wearing a Buffalo Bills t-shirt. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, wow, that's breaking my immersion. But you know what? No, it's not. Never mind. I'm going to go and talk to And then there was the other guys. Droid, you know. There was the other guys that had the Jedi tops that they got from uh, Galaxy's Edge and then shorts on underneath yeah. it. Which I yeah, from the waist funny. up, he looked like a Jedi. From the waist down, he looked like a kid on, <laughs> on a Florida vacation with vans and board shorts. So, you know, everybody brought whatever they wanted to bring to it. And everybody, everybody at the end was like that was the most amazing thing whether they had played a hundred percent like us or whether they had played like ten percent you know to say sure i'll meet you for that meeting or yeah which button do i press here on the bridge they made it a very easy sliding scale so you could do whatever as much or as little as you wanted and still feel like you were on a star wars vacation i i just learned something today that is breaking the magic i don't know if you guys want to know about it but um oh no i do but- i do I mean, that's catnip. Come on. <laughs> All right. Um, so the uh, M bands or the magic bands, which are basically the RFID chips that are in the special bracelets they give you. Um, uh, and they use them all over Disneyland, but they have a special one for the Halcyon uh, that they give you, and it has your name engraved on it, and it's all woo-woo. So you go around, and you have to use that band to um, – to, uh, sort of like scan into certain events and uh, or to certain things on the cruiser. There's like doors. You're, that's how you get into your uh, hotel door is that way. And also there's like ships, uh, consoles that you go in or if you want to go into the bridge or if you want to go into the brig or any place you have to like hit that up and it either lets you in it's or a key. doesn't let you in. Exactly. Um, the characters that run storylines have RFID readers in their wrists so when they shake your hand to meet you they know who they've met and they've unlocked you unlock a storyline did not know that it's just so that like if you spend time with Rafe you spend time around Rafe it's going to unlock more of the because he's not he's not reporting to the the app that's the the, my Disney experience no it's not that's the other one uh, the, the Disney, Disney Play, the Disney yeah. Play app has a uh, data pad inside of it, uh, which is similar to the data pad that you get when you go on Batu. Uh, there's one for that, but then there's also this extended one for the Star Cruiser, and um, yeah, that's how it triggers events in there. I found out. I found that out uh, today. Yeah, your app today keeps... old. <laughs> Your app keeps track of all the missions that you're on or any interactions you've had with face characters so that it can advance that plot line. There was an entire First Order plot line that we didn't take part in. That wasn't what, the kind of characters we wanted to play. So we never got prompts. We got only like a handful of prompts. Well, they the said, first don't you want to be part of the First Order? We're like, no, fuck you. Yeah, it, oh, they, they, they sent us a, a questionnaire. Like, you know, some of the characters will feel you out in the app and say, like, you know, so how do you feel about the resistance? And you can say, I think it's about time somebody stood up to the First Order. Or I think that they're miscreants that should be put down. And then, you know, that goes back into, okay, this person is looking for this style. They they want the First Order plotline versus they want the resistance plotline. So I loved the photo you all shared of your cabin. I love the, I particularly love the bunk beds. It was very Red Dwarf. Uh, yes. But <laughs> I... Uh, I must feel and feel free to share any details about the rooms, but I must know what are the bathrooms like? The bathrooms are pretty standard, but with as everything that can be curved is curved, right? Like the toilet is a very curvy toilet. But it's also uh, just the, the seat. Everything else is built into the wall. So you just have a seat that comes out. There's no like. It, you know, they, I've seen them other places. It's not like they invented this toilet, right. but it's sort of like the seat that comes out, but the tank is buried in the wall. So it, you don't, it does, it looks different than you expect a toilet to look. Right. You know, you know, it's going to work. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, honestly, the uh, a lot of the room uh, shared the aesthetic with the rest of the ship. White and gold were really the colors of the Halcyon. And, uh, orange. and there was a lot yeah, of orange. Yeah, with some orange and gray accents to mix it up. So the the core of the room for us, we had a, a two person. Well, we had a, a we had a standard cabin. There are three Which levels is of cabins. Five person cabin. Yeah, a five person cabin. <laughs> so two bunk beds, ideally for kids, but it would sleep an adult. You know, I would have oh, slept yeah. there. I yeah I I laid down it completely is fine yeah. and it's a they have like a rolled up thing that looks like a pillow it's not mm -hmm. a pillow it's a sleeping bag so right. you get in the sleeping bag <laughs> so you can get in the sleeping bag that. plus there's a queen size bed and then if you have a fifth passenger in that cabin there's a Murphy bed that comes out of the wall uh so yeah it's it's designed to be a deluxe space cabin and one of the best things about the cabin uh, well there's two fantastic elements of it besides the you know the bathrooms. I'm not going to say that there's no magic to the bathrooms because, again, they chose the most dramatically uh, curved and futuristic looking uh, 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 fixtures and things for the shower and for the sink uh, and things like that. So that it just it looked as modern as you could possibly look. Uh, but, you know, you could probably track it down at Lowe's or Home Depot if you looked hard enough. We found some of the glassware from the bar. Uh, we now yeah. have some of, some of that turned out that it was stuff that you could get on Amazon. That it was just very high-end modern design, and they were pretty affordable. So we're like, yeah, it's like it was thirty bucks for two glasses. Yeah, for two like these double-walled glasses. So you know, I mean, to a certain extent, it is still being built on Earth, right? It's just to to how much can we give you to help you suspend disbelief? But within the cabin, uh, there is an in-room droid. So you have a video screen where you can talk to a droid named D three O nine, and she's basically Space Alexa where you can ask her questions about the voyage. You can ask her questions about the Star Wars universe. She was really good. She knew she a lot. Great. We tried to stump her and we couldn't do it. Um, and then the, the main part of your cabin is built, is taken up by a giant look at space. 24-7, there's always space. If the ship is going through a hyperspace jump, you see the streaks from the side. Uh, <laughs> you know, we all see hyperspace from the cockpit view. This one, you see it from the side, which is amazing. There's ships flying around all the time. There's a t The TV in your room can get you terrestrial signal if you want, but it, by default, it shows you a map of the galaxy and where you are and what your voyage is going to be. You're going to start out here. You're going to start. Then you're going to move from Chandrila to Coruscant. We're going to be swinging by Hoth. We're going to, you know, you're going to see this, and they they map it all out for you. Uh, and you can't turn the screen down. You can cover it. There's actually a a beautiful motorized shield that comes down and turns off all of the lights and turns off the monitor that is, you know. The, the 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 view of space i left it on all night like i wasn't gonna yeah. sleep anyway but it was super bright and i just sat there and i'm like i'm in space i'm watching i'm watching cruisers go by i'm watching light freighters go by occasionally if i if i'm near a rebel base i'm seeing x-wings go by it was crazy you know but that's just all part of the immersion so yes even if you decided to hang out in your cabin there was something to do to keep you every step of the way. You're you're always reminded you're in space. You're part of a special experience. And as part of the immersion, you mentioned uh, earlier. You know, there was like a a pop star character. It looks like there's a character that was a bit like a bard, and they had a link to the music on Spotify. Oh yeah. Was there also like original score? It wasn't like you were walking down and they played the Darth Vader uh, Imperial no. March. No, as you're walking through. Yeah. I want the ambient music of the Halcyon so much because it mm -hmm. was basically elevator Star Wars elevator music, and it was just perfect the whole yeah, time. Yeah, this blew my mind. We were at we were at lunch. And I realized, and you know, we've listened to the cantina music from the Old Republic. Uh, we've listened to the cantina music that they play at the cantina. You can get that on Spotify that and Amazon. Yes. Yeah, yep. in Oga's Cantina. So I was expecting that. I just figured, like, well, you've already recorded an hour's worth of music. That's going to be on on you know loop. No, there's this beautiful, low chill ambient vibe going on that still sounds otherworldly i never heard it repeat the entire time i never heard it anywhere but inside the halcyon there was always just a pleasant chill star wars soundtrack going on the entire voyage and i would love i mean it must be hours and hours and i'm thinking yeah. oh my goodness you did hours and hours. that's the level of immersion that is really hard to explain in that marketing right like you don't notice say it until you're part of it yeah, I was going to say the ship is like the nice thing about being in a Star Wars hotel 
you know, saying that it isn't a Star Wars hotel, but it is a Star Wars hotel. And the fact that you are staying there for 48 hours, right? So if you are up at three o'clock in the morning, you can go down to the uh, the Crown of Corellia uh, dining hall and you can get yourself a glass of blue or green milk on tap or a drink. Or, you know, like they have food available at all times. They have, um, you know, the bar is only open until one o'clock in the morning, but it's open until one o'clock in the morning. If you want to wander <laughs> around any part of the ship that you have access, you know, like can uh can band into you can completely wander around at two o'clock in the morning i was talking or I, I heard a podcast about a guy who uh he decided at uh three o'clock in the morning that he wanted to go out you know he wanted to go outside of the the ship just to have that experience and he did he they let him out and he went outside hung outside for a little while apparently there's a bunch of cats that like to hang out near the star cruiser said hi to the cats came back upstairs and went back into his room but you know like you can like explore all of the ship and we did explore a lot of the ship after we did after you know everybody else was you know like we loved going around the ship when nobody else was around it was fabulous yeah it was like a, pr a private playground that was built just for the, the super star wars fans i do wonder what lessons the disney park will learn from the galactic star cruiser because the news recently came out that they're um sunsetting it unfortunately after all which seems like a waste to me i mean my wife and i were would have been interested in going to this uh mm -hmm. it it's something where you know, kind of a once in a lifetime uh, premium experience, certainly. And uh, all that R&D, all that money invested into it, all the all the, the cast members, like you said, everything. What do you think is something they'll take from this that they might use in other parts of the park? Just sort of speculation. Well, they're already using yeah. a couple of the uh, of the technologies. Like the the uh, way you get onto the ship is through a um, an elevator, like it's a shuttle. That takes you up, and they are using that over at Space uh, Space Two Twenty, which is Epcot. There is a restaurant, a high end restaurant, um, really high end restaurant, right. where several <laughs> miles above the Earth restaurant, yeah. where well, you can eat dinner in miles above yeah. it. But I'm like, it's it's just also super super pricey. Like, uh, yes, it is. Dinner there is, uh, it's a if you eat dinner, it's a prefix menu, and it's like ninety six dollars per person. Wow. Um, but um. They have, you know, fancy drinks, different fancy drinks and different food, but they use that elevator, uh, that, that technology that they use for the Star Cruiser, they also use there. And then they also have the hyperspeed lounge on one of the cruise ships, and they have the engine room uh, puzzles on the one engineering, of the engineering, yeah. Yeah, the engineering uh, puzzles on one of the, uh, as a, like a teen club hmm. experience on another, uh, I, I don't know if it's the same cruise ship and they may both be on the magic i'm not oh, sure. i thought it was <laughs> i thought it was the wish but I, I don't really know oh it might be the wish it might actually you're right i think i think the wish is the more it's whatever's the most recent one i mean i think that the big takeaway is disney took an extremely big swing like i love the fact that this concept was not compromised that at no point did they say yeah but you gotta put like the star wars logo on the towels right you know um <laughs> they i i think Let's see how far we can take it. And what they learned was we can't take it that far and sustain it uh, financially. The uh, A lot of people, you know, I've seen a lot of grave dancing uh, from people that probably would have loved the experience, quite honestly. Like if you're a, if you're a big Star, for, Star Wars fan, if you appreciate the, the detail that Imagineering goes to to create a world, this was further than anything that I ever thought I would see. But... Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I told you it wasn't worth it, because if it was worth it, it would still be here after 18 months. I will say that it was not affordable to a lot of people who would have loved it, but that is different from not being worth it. Like, I know where the money mm. went. Being in this environment, I can tell you why it was $6,000 for a family of four. Uh, for what it's worth, we were, you know, a party of two, and it was 4800 right? So, um you know, it, it absolutely was so complete. I think that they realized that most of their fans can't do that, and but most of their fans would have liked to at least done some of it. So I'd like I'd like to hope that they take some of the experiences that worked here, uh, and maybe they can do a scaled down version of it or a smaller version of it. Maybe maybe it gets incorporated into the actual cruise ships. 
where you might have a day that, you know, you, you spend the day with some of these Star Wars characters doing some of these adventures. When I was on the Halcyon, I did think, gee, why aren't they doing like a day trip to space? You don't get yeah. to sleep here, but you get to have lunch and dinner mm. and you do some of these plot sure. lines and you scale it back and maybe it's $500 a person, you know, for just that day. And, and that covers food and the actors and things like that. Um, and, you know, I have to say, well, why couldn't it scale? is the right question to ask because it's the question that none of us can answer if disney could have scaled that i feel certain they would have but they could not scale it so then you have to think wait a minute how much was going on behind the scenes that they invested that much money and that much technology and that much preparation and a dedicated location and yet it was still too beautiful to survive right like there's something so 110% all the way, all in about that experience that it simply couldn't be done for less money and actually turn a profit. So, I think I think that know. they were actually looking into ways to to make it more scalable or something like that. But the problem became that they had a money issue and they had to tap shareholders <laughs> and they had to make them happy. And they they you know they pulled a lot of stuff that had like there was like a bunch of there was the project that was moved from Florida that everybody's like, oh, that was just a F you to Florida. But it was more, it, it was more a money thing too, because they had, they actually had it tax things that had to do with that. And then there was a whole bunch of things that got delisted from Disney plus and the Halcyon was closed. So all three of those are basically things to make it go down. And unfortunately they have said that they are going to uh, de- depreciate it, which means they're not going to be able to keep or or make money off of anything that is part of the Halcyon. Yeah, for tax reasons, the, the whole thing being a way to reduce, you know, and make, make the, the shareholders happy, say we're taking a tax loss on this. Apparently, it's like, oh, well, we have to destroy the thing in order to actually get the tax benefits and the write-off that they need, which, you know, is is terrible. But I also understand because that's the way the financial world works. So keep in mind that the Star Cruiser was greenlit under Bob Chapik when he was CEO, and now Bob Iger has come back to the company to sort of course correct some of the mistakes and some of the, the lack of profitability that Chapik was seen as as creating. So if if this is Bob Iger's way to correct a mistake, it was a most beautiful creative mistake that I wish that they never would have had to do it. But I also, I'm an adult, right? Like I get it. I, I don't understand the world of high finance. I, I've never designed a theme park attraction in my life. But I, I understand that shareholders need to see results. And if the Star Cruiser was seen as something that could save them a lot of money, if they had to take it down to the studs and say this never happened uh, in order to get to where they needed to be, that's what corporate you know, that's what corporate America is. And I, I understand. I accept it. As Lando Calrissian famously said, I, I understand it. I, uh, I accept it. I just don't agree with it. So <laughs> that's kind of I think that's where it, 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 it stands is, yeah, what's Disney going to learn? They can't dream that big anymore. Or if they dream that big, they have to find a way to make it more accessible and profitable. Uh, letting more people be able to do it is going to make it more profitable in the long run. I could I could totally imagine like. Five years from now, they're going to announce that, and we're going to open Shield headquarters. Then it'll be some big Marvel themed thing that is right. exactly this, but it scales. You can stay, you right. can spend an hour there, you can spend a day there, you can spend a weekend there. But they'll have a, you you know they'll they'll I guess they'll industrialize it so you can just shoot people through. <laughs> I would, I would love to rent a room at the Shield Barracks and stay in the park overnight at Avengers Campus. I would do that in a heartbeat. But that would be a one-day overnight experience, right? Like, they do this uh, – Kat, you mentioned that they do this with, with the Princess Castles, right? Like, there's there I mean, is they, or was an experience where you could sleep in the castle? There is a suite in the, ca- in the, huh. in the castle – not our castle, the other castle. Well, Disney World castle. There is a suite in that castle. The thing is, it's not it's not like you can buy it. It is only like, – they, they, because there was a lot of interest in it. Uh, they made it a magic event where somebody was gifted that. Like, if you're staying at a Walt Disney Hotel, they're like, okay, we'll gift you a night in the ca- in the castle as Disney magic. Right, and, like a free upgrade. You get to sleep yeah. in the castle. Surprise. And that's yeah. great. But, yeah, I mean, very possibly we could see, uh, what if we did it as a day trip? 
uh, or a, a single day experience. Like Kat and I, when we were on our honeymoon, we actually went to Walt Disney World and we went on a special package called Behind the Magic. And it was a very spoilerific tour behind all four or all of the Disney parks at the time. I guess it was it all four. It was only three. It was, it was only, only three, three back then. Yeah. Uh, and it was basically a private bus tour with a, a guide uh. who took you behind the scenes of Epcot. We actually saw rides operating from like the backstage area. Oh. We went underneath the Magic Kingdom into the infamous access tunnels, how the cast gets around. It was unbelievable. Uh, but it was a day experience. And at the time, it was, you know, what, $250 a person, something in that range? Maybe, Just, maybe I think a little less because it was a long time ago. It was many years ago. This is 1995. But to sure. apply that, yeah, what if there was a one-day Star Wars adventure that was exclusive but not that restrictive you know what like the I'm barrier hoping... to entry or or something for marvel or you know like a princess adventure day you know what um, i'm hoping yeah, is, that. That, is that they um like original plans for august cantina was august cantina was the front and there was a dinner live dinner show that was going to be in a behind it that you would be sit down mm. eat dinner and i'd love to see them they because their space still exists in both parks for that to happen i would love to see them actually develop that ha, uh use one of the characters we didn't talk about was uni uh who is um a uh rodian and she is a she's got a full mask on her head head she's got uh gloves on her fingers and she speaks in rodian rodian yeah um, I think. and but her, her mouth moves and she Ooh. like the actress who did it on our screws and all the actresses that i've ever seen perform it on video did a fabulous job you knew exactly what she was saying even though she did not speak a word of english and she you know she just emoted and she had very fluid hands and she played she was uh uh gaia's pianist kind of yeah guy is guy is instrumentalist like instrumentalist, a combination yeah. of a dj and a keyboard player all in one for the purpose of the but it uh, was kind of like a theremin style uh, yeah. instrument yeah having having dinner uh in a in a closed environment one of the things that they had also planned to do for galaxy's edge was you were there were supposed to be droids roaming around and yeah. they found out that it wasn't feasible like kids would come up to r2d2 and hug them and just like grab the droid so the benefit of something like Star Cruiser, there is a droid on the Star Cruiser as well. Yep. There's an, an astromech unit. It's a closed environment, so they can control everything. That's why you're allowed to wear a helmet, because you've already gone through a security checkpoint. And once you go through that security checkpoint, all bets are off. You're you're in Star Wars from that point on. So, yeah, I would love to see them maybe revisit uh, some of the things that worked well in the Star Cruiser that they didn't have the opportunity to do in Galaxy's Edge, expand Galaxy's Edge. If it's you need to make a reservation to get into the restaurant for this deluxe experience, that's much more accessible to people. Yeah, you know that, and that's much easier to understand. You're going to go and to a, a private show. And they already know that people show. will will pay ninety dollars or like 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 <laughs> nice. I was saying two twenty, uh, space two twenty was is a prefix of ninety six dollars. People will pay that. It's it's booked out. Like it's almost impossible to get a reservation because it books out sixty days Months in, advance in advance. Yeah, for all of the um all of the dates so i was we were lucky to get it and we only got it because our we went on yeah. one of our last days and my you know we were able to get through but yeah, yeah it's so yeah that's what i hope disney learns i hope they find ways to do uh things that approach the immersion that they'll never be able to do this again you know uh but that you know that it is something that can be shared uh just makes the existing parks more interesting for people that are, are willing to do those semi-deluxe adventures yeah, well, um, again, thanks uh, both uh, so much. We should have this up later this week. I will send you a link yeah, on social great. media to the episode. Thank you and, for indulging uh, us. No, Super absolutely. appreciate it. As you can tell, we're pretty passionate about this. Yes, and, and I, I am very, very grateful that we got a chance to go at all. Uh, oh, absolutely. You know. And I'm, I'm just grateful you did such a great job um, writing your piece about it and taking all the photos. And I, I hope Disney officially uses 4K video or whatever to, to document to give people a taste of what the experience was like. Not that it would ever be the same thing, but it's uh, it's really quite a unique um, period piece, as it were. Yeah, you people, got in the, people in the community are doing, uh, like, are trying to actually put together, like, 
books that have all the background, like all the yeah, yeah. detail pictures. And actually, people are trying to document all the storylines because yeah, there's a video person. documentary where pe- they've asked, let's put all the footage together and take everybody else's different cameras and try to put together the full narratives from you know 20 or 30 different people who went because we all saw something different. So that that would be a really interesting thing. I I wish Disney would do it too, but I, I'm not really expecting it. Uh, well, they can't the, because they have to do well, yeah. everything. Yeah, that's true. So I think the fans are going to have to pick up the slack on this one. Sure. And is there any um, social media links you want to plug? Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, Kat has an Etsy store for Star Wars uh, cosplay accessories. So if you would like nice. to have your Star Wars character have IDs that you can show or in the park. Or dog tags. Or dog tags. Uh, we actually sell Sabak poker chips for your home games. Uh, all of that is at <laughs> bit.ly slash cat's name. K-A-T-R-I-N-A-U-C-H uh, slash Katrin Auk. And that's also her on Twitter, and I'm at Dan Amrick on Twitter. Uh, and uh, yeah, feel free. We'd love to talk Star Wars with anybody anytime. Absolutely. Thanks so much. 